Now, Mamuini Matigisela Mandela was revered for consistently speaking truth to power, even when the social and political forces of the day worked to silence her. And boy, did they work. She was ripped away from her children, separated from her husband, locked in solitary confinement. Today, thousands of South Africans filled up Orlando Stadium for the official memorial service. Uh, President of the Legacy Project in South Africa, also known as uh, Mandela's Linsman. We'll talk about that later. And uh, he joins us in studio to share with us his remarkable time spent with Mamwini during the struggle. Good evening and welcome to Metro FM Talk, Remonso. Good evening, Kupedi. Remonso. And to the listeners. Thank you. Thank you kindly. And thank you for making time to be with us in our Johannesburg studios. A pleasure indeed. How did you get into photography and videography? Um, I got into uh, videography as a historical error or a a historical (laughs) uh, mistake. You'd recall that uh, during the height of repression in South Africa, Mm a requirement to gather content I- inside the township had heightened. Mm-hmm. So the job was generally preserved for white people. But white people getting into the townships, their visibility was greater. The degree of their visibility mm-hmm. was greater. So black crews and camera people began to be recruited in the 80s. So I started in 1984. Mm-hmm. And that's how I then started to get into uh, videography as a camera person. Well, I started as a sound person for WTN, promoted to a camera person. And then uh, here I am. I, I broke away because I realized that the images and the contacts that we are gather- gathering are going to be the historic- historical archives of international agencies. So I broke away to make sure that I preserve this history to bequeath, to bequeath the South African legacy. When you say broke away, you mean you started I, working I became independent? yes. And what year was this? This was in 88, 1988. It, it was that clear to you that long ago? It was very clear to me that we are actually gathering incredible footage that needs to be told and owned by South African mm. archives. Talk about intellectual property. But Re Monso, yours was not just a go to school, get training, get into the job market kind of photography and videography. You you were also involved in the Umkonto Wesizo operations. Tell us about that. Well, I was an, an Umkonto Wesizo operative from 1976. In fact, my first recruit was in 1974. I recruited my first guy, Sunny Lishika, in 1974 in Limpopo, in a, a school we were, um, I was still uh, at a school called uh, Polokwane Trade School. He was doing tailoring and I was doing carpentry, but I was only in the underground operatives of the ANC. So I started then, and by 1976, I was very, very active. Uh, lots of people were uh, even staying at my home. And um, it was hard days then. When when you mentioned 1976, um, right alongside photography, one cannot help but think of your name alongside those of Bosem Zima, um, Alf Kumalo, the late Bontate Peter Magubani. And, and today we hail you as one in that class. Do you feel you're deserving to be in that class? 
I'm not in the <laughs> class. I can never be in the class. But let me tell you, the very first image that I took, uh, which is of which is important to me, mm-hmm. uh, is the image of the current president Cyril Ramaphosa in 1976 during mm-hmm. Easter in Jarere. So I'm very proud of that uh, particular image. Uh, so it, that was in 1973. Wow. Uh, in, uh, um, so I took that picture of uh, uh, Cyril Ramaphosa. Uh, and of course, he's never going to get it. Oh, why not? Well, mine. <laughs> <laughs> You're taking this intellectual property thing a little too uh, seriously. Let's, let's well, he chastised me. He chastised <laughs> really? me for taking the picture. Why? Uh, I, he wasn't impressed. I mean, he was standing with uh, his uh, then-girlfriend, Hope uh, Mudao. Uh, it was in the open, and they were standing like that. I did not ask for permission. I took the picture. Oh, goodness. Okay. <laughs> We've moved on since those days. Uh, welcome to 2018, Ramonso. But now, for, 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 for us young ones um, uh, who don't know how you came to be called Mandela's Lensman, how did it come about that you start working with the Mandela family? I started... Uh, working with the the Mandela family in part as a result of how Winnie Mandela used to work. You'd recall that uh, Winnie had sought partnerships, in particular with progressive media. Mm -hmm. And therefore she was using the media, camera crews, international media, as people who then uh, uh, propagate her messages. But we also were interested in her being used as the voice of the people even at that time. There were issues in the country, would go to her to say, can you please uh, interpret this for us? If we knew that she was going to be there at an, a major event, of course we were there. So everybody was very interested because in videography, positions in the practice of videography mm. is the most important. Location, even if location. it includes, yes, and contact. Even if it includes very much closer contact that may be intrusive because intrusive na- nature of photography is part of what you learn as a videographer. Hmm. But I hear you still talking about when you were all working with her and her making or forming partnerships, strategic partnerships with certain media. You're still talking about yourself, referring to yourself as part of a group. How did it ultimately become that you, because at some point you were the only cameraman allowed to capture the Mandelas? How did that come about? I don't know if I was the only one. It's a big uh, title. But um, I, um, as I said, we need mustard partnerships in the community. Mm. Even now, she would master community services. Uh, that includes people who might have some type of infrastructure. There's now, if, if you go to the house, you'll find a mobile clinic. She worked with those mm. people to service mm. orphans in the, uh, in the village. There's a company there called Impulse. So she actually also worked with other people. I was not uh, the only one, but I... I I know for a fact that I was the one that she keep on she kept on calling on certain incidents. For instance, when her house, the current one that she's staying at, was shot at mm-hmm. by the police uh, when she when it was still under construction, she actually personally called me to say, "Hey, come and have a look at this." I made sure that she's part of the picture. She is there, and it was brutally shot at, and it was it was uh, painful. She was I, I've never seen her so 
depressed, uh, mm. so to speak. But um, in most of the instances, for instance, uh, I, fe- I spent the first Christmas with the family alone. I spent the first New Year with the family. I was mm. all the, the only cameraman. But the most important historical moments of Winnie Mandela was in Brantford. The images of Brantford were telling. You would recall that she was not allowed, in those days we did not have cell phones, but she was not allowed um, to use the telephone willy-nilly. She was allowed a 10-minute a day. I remember it was between 11.50 and 11 o'clock on a daily basis. So she would rush to the post office quickly, and there were only two telephones at the post office in Brantford. And those telephones would ring all at the same time. And uh, some of the calls were coming from international people, and some of them were local, the contacts and everybody else. So this phone would ring, and she would rush Mm. to the other one, Mm. and the other phone would ring, etc., etc. So there has been a lot of moments where she would call me, and I was all by myself. Those images that you talk about at uh, Branford, which ones are you responsible for? There's there's one that that sticks out starkly in my mind, where she's standing by the gate um, of the house where she was banished to. She's standing at the gate. She's wearing a t-shirt, and she's got this flowy skirt. Beautiful woman, very well put together as per usual. And she's wearing this big duke, and she's staring longingly, almost into nothingness. Were you responsible for that? No. Peter Magubani was responsible for that picture, ah. and Peter Magubani gracefully agreed that uh, the family or uh, even sometimes the media can use the picture during this particular period. I actually spoke to him, and he says um, the family should um, use that picture in this period of mourning. Lovely. What did you have access to? Let me let me rephrase that. What were you given access to by Mamwini, and were there any restrictions in what you could capture? Amazingly enough, I had no restrictions. Wow! And in my images, if uh, I was going to possibly show your crew, uh, crew here, there was uh, pictures of her playing. You know, uh, Mamwini every Sunday cooked a very big pot of semp. Very carried sem. So I was one of the uh, victims of chewing away <laughs> sem. So every Sunday I would go there, <laughs> but I'd, I wouldn't leave my camera uh, behind. Uh-huh. And in one of these incidents, there was this uh, a young Zo- Zondwa and uh, Zoleka yes. playing with, with her, and I was uh, very impressed by uh, that interaction. And I think there was another child, Zenani's uh, daughter also, who was uh-huh. also there, but uh, you can see her very well. So Zondwa so and, uh, and Zoleka were playing with uh, Mama Winnie, and uh, I got that picture, and I think it's uh, very remarkable because it was in the bedroom uh, when uh, sure. they were playing. And also, well, I was interested in pictures. Well, so, <laughs> his so, name, his name so is Rapizi Monsu. He was the Mandela landsman, and we have him in studio for another at least what ten to fifteen minutes. We come back with the conversation that continues on Metro FM Talk after this. Uh, I I did not give myself that title. Yes. The media gave me that title. I think it was Baldwin uh, Ndaba who actually started uh, giving me that title. Well, I like it. Oh, wonder who wouldn't? Rapiz, you, you, before we went to the break, we were talking about restrictions and access, and you were telling us about how close you got, and, and 
Man, you were talking about getting into Kodikamoreng and whatnot, but that, that speaks to, and I said this sometime last week, it speaks to just how accessible Mamwini was. Would you agree? Mamawini was totally accessible. And you would recall that uh, the essence of grassroots community service, the injunction thereof, is service to the people. Mm. And when people start distancing themselves away from the people, that then becomes a problem. And mm. one of the th- expressions of that closeness to the people was that when she cooked this very big pot, she actually did it for everybody. Yes. There was nobody special who was supposed to be invited and anything like that. You walked in and you get the, the meal. If, you, if you're late, too bad. And she then became this mother of the nation because her maternal instincts were quite driven within the organic structures of the, organ- of the community. Talking about her being mother of the nation, I looked at uh, bits and pieces of the memorial today and I saw um, her two daughters sitting there looking so forlorn. And I sat and I wondered, you know, we're going on about losing the mother of the nation, but here are these two people who have lost Unozala, their mother. They came from her loins. Oh, but that's another story for another day. Ramonso, you, you, you had on your shoulders the responsibility, if I may put it like that, to keep Mamwini in the public eye, especially during the apartheid era. How important a duty was that where you are concerned? Let me actually start by saying that I don't, I believe that there actually is no grave big enough to bury Mewini Mandela. Mm. There is actually no facility big enough to accommodate all those people that want to actually bid her a farewell. Therefore, we need to be able to, with dignity, ensure that those colors that are going to be present at the service are actually celebrating her steadfastness, her straight-ahead attitude, and her gutsy, contemporary, uh, robust attitude for, to against injustice. For me, she represented and ref- reflected a mother who defend that that humanity. Mm. So she Unapologetically was, so, even. Unapolog- and, and she was only human to the extent that she imposed the values of humanity on others. You, you, you talk about her feistiness. She, she, she was a ball of fire in more ways than one. Uh, but this, of course, is us viewing in the public, and understandably so, given given what she had been going through, given what the system back then had put her through. But what was she like at home? At home, uh, remember, I was this photographer or videographer who was always interested in the stories. Mm. But I do remember in one of the instances when I actually came to the house on this Sunday, and there was a visit from Dr. Motlana, and I was quite mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. taken aback to say, oh, okay, Dr. Motlana, because he was one of the people that we uh, regularly interviewed. And when Dr. Mandon, uh, Motlana left, Mama said something quite remarkable. She said to me, 
you know, um, Rapids, if you were to know what it is that we have been going through all these years, you'd be quite amazed. And that summarized the fact that even the medical people would come to give her the support at home. And that that summarized how internally she may have been quite bruised because there were times when Mm. I would insist on interviews and should reject that. But I remember one incident incident when she actually refused to uh, give me an interview and I said, I'm going nowhere. (laughs) You staged a protest. So I staged a protest. Against Mamui. And I slept, yes. No, I slept at the house. I I slept on the sofa, on 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 a chair. And when she woke up in the morning, she says, ah, are you still here? I said, I told you I'm not going anywhere. Give now me. I'm curious. And she what are so me, important about that interview? Well, um, no, the, I think I just wanted the interview that I don't remember whether it had to do with the reaction against uh, the UDF's uh, rejection of her. Okay. For me, that was quite a critical um, uh, interview. But uh, mm-hmm. I can't remember which one it was because there were so many. Remember, I've got more than 100 hours of a lot of uh, very important interviews with My her. My goodness. But That's gold. But I just simply said, I am going nowhere. She woke up in the morning. You're not going to easily get a sorry from her. She just simply said, okay, uh, just set up. <laughs> <laughs> eh, okay, fine. <laughs> yeah, All right. Just set up. <laughs> Interesting. What, what would you and her talk about when you weren't shooting? Because she came to know that I'm an MK operative, mm-hmm. from time to time she would want to give me uh, orders and instructions <laughs> to do this or that and this or that. I remember one time she actually wanted me to take out of the country a young woman I knew quite well from uh, Mono Badella's daughter, uh, Brenda Badella. And when, okay. I real- and when I realized that, oh, this person I know, because that was what I was doing. I said, nope, I'm not doing this kind of thing. And of course, uh, Brenda Badella left the country. I don't know how she did that. But, so uh, so you are telling <laughs> us that Mamwini asked you to smuggle Brenda Badella out of South Africa. Yeah, there were two girls. Brenda was one of them. And I just distanced myself. Because <laughs> yeah. in, in people that I knew, I would say, I, I don't do this kind of thing. And they would leave the country. Be- because, wow. Because... Uh, uh, um, what happened is that uh, in the 77 period, uh, I, was, I was actually expelled from exile by Snooki Zigalana. Why? What did you do? Well, um, you know, I said to him, oh, look, I've taken out so many people out of the country. And at that time, actually, remarkably enough, my mother was not impressed that I must continue to do this thing. She said, my mother said to me, you know, uh, I think this time you must not come back. Banna? And I said, this old lady knows too much now. She says, no, these guys are going to kill you. And I left, and I, when I got to to to, uh, to Botswana, I said to Comrade uh, <laughs> Snooki, this time I'm, I'm not leaving. He says, are they looking for you? I said, no. He says, go back. Go back. Because who's going to do the kind of work you're doing? And, of course, I ran to... Uh, Joe Glabi, who I worked with quite a lot inside the country, and I tried to raise the same issue. And Joe Glabi agreed with Snooki and says, yes, 
We want you inside the country because the kind of work you are doing is very important. Who's going to do that? You're bringing young people, you're politicizing them inside the country, therefore go back. Yes, and, conscientizing uh, them. And, 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 and so that's how I got expelled uh, from exile. <laughs> <laughs> well, now we know, and you've just reminded me how Nori Snukizigalala, uh, because you yourself used to be an employee of the SABC a very long time ago. But that's another story for another day altogether. <laughs> Ramonso, you have gold which you're sitting with. I mean, you talk about more than 100 hours of, of material where Mamwini is concerned. Which brings me to this. You have... A documentary in the uh, a documentary in the making. Am I correct? How correct. F- how far are you with that? The the first one uh, has been completed. We call it uh, Mandela privately. It has already been shown in Sweden. Okay. And we are going to be working on the other uh, documentaries. Uh, it, it's a one hour uh, documentary. It actually was uh, nominated for the New York Film Festival. And. Uh, uh, we we were quite uh, chuffed with that. It is in with Swedish uh, voiceover and so forth. But we're working hmm. for other countries uh, who seems to uh, have interest uh, in the documentary. Uh, I'm not sure uh, how interested the SABC are. Uh, they, they seem to be just be talking too much. Wait, how do you measure interest uh, where these countries are concerned? Is it a case of putting the money where the mouth is? Correct. And and we are not doing that in South Africa. Well, uh, no, uh, you know, you need to sit down with people to say we're interested. Let's sit down. Let's write okay. uh, contracts. Let's have uh, 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 the terms of reference. This is the angles we want to do. But they just keep on talking and talking and talking, and that's tiring. We are film. I'm a filmmaker. I I want to sit down and and somebody must say, um, give us a, a a series of Mandela with heads of state. Give us a, mm-hmm. a, 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 an episode with Mandela, with those who supported him. Uh, you know, one of the in- interesting things about Mandela, which is I followed him on uh, on one occasion. He he was taking a young woman called Linda. Linda was one of the people who worked there, a cook, I think it was. Mm-hmm. He was wearing a suit and a tie. To a breakfast, to a, a lunch, I think it was an outing in Brankfontein in one of the restaurants. Took the families there. Zinzi was there, Mama was there, Linda, Linda was there. There were only about four or five people in a private room. That uh, lady was turning 27 on that day. I did not understand why it is, and in fact, Zinzi did not also understand why Tata stood up and addressed them. Mm. Because he started saying, Addressing, he stood up and he started saying, uh, you do not realize the importance of this day. Okay. So when I went home, I said, but let me ask myself, why did he say What was it about that day? I realized that actually the day when he went to jail, which is 27 years ago, was the day on which Linda was born. Oh. And he thought about it already. We left there, we went to Yvonne Chaka Chaka's house, and that was the, another birthday of Miriam Makeba hosted there. Heban. And I was the only camera, so I followed them there, and of course, uh, uh, Yvonne Chaka Chaka and Tani were quite surprised about the visit because they did not expect Madiba. Ramon, so you've got stories for days. I feel like we need to have you for another show altogether. Talking about stories, to yesterday marked 25 years since the 
horrible, horrible killing of Ndade Krasani. And Little Bird tells me you could have been one of the last people to interview Krasani. How true is this? Um, very true. That I would, I, I, I am possibly one of the people who, the last people to interview Ndade Krasani. I'll tell you why. I was doing a documentary for Channel 4 in the United Kingdom. Mm-hmm. And I was, uh, I followed, uh, I did a long interview with Ndade Krisani, but I also did another long interview with Clive uh, Lewis and his wife. Yes. Okay. Now, you have here, I went to Clive Lewis first because I was mm-hmm. wanting to, I did not know all of this other thing. Clive W. Lewis and his wife said, we are going to disorganize this country. We are going to cause chaos. So I went to Chris and, I, and, and we were talking about the Nuremberg uh, trial. I said, that, uh, Chris, what do you think about this Nuremberg trial and these people who are saying they are going to disorganize? Chris said, we need to be big enough to forgive because we have to have a way in which people are going to tell the truth so that we are able to forgive. I remember that interview very well because he was wearing this very colorful shirt at the office at the offices of the SACP. And that interview is one of the greatest, greatest treasures that I would uh, I would hold on to. Question. You mentioned Clive Darby Lewis and his wife and what Clive said. How long before Krasani's killing was this? This is in 1992. Okay. We're going to revisit the story. Ramons, did Mum Winnie Mandela enjoy being photographed by you? Did she ever critique any of your work? Mama uh, was one of those photogenic, great people to be photographed by anybody. If you look at the photographs of anyone, you'll see that actually... She was a master in front of the lens. And she was so that, well put together in so many of her photos. Absolutely. And for that, I would say, Mama, let you see no more pain, but more grace. Because you were a diamond set in our midst. And many photographers would envy the glitter on your crown. With those words, are we ever going to see a documentary similar to what you did with Dada for Mamwini? You are going to see lots of documentaries on Mamawini. And sometimes I actually am surprised about the films that I see about uh, her and about Dada. I said, oh, okay. Where does this research come from? <laughs> are you saying there are a lot of things that are being peddled as fact when in actual fact they are not? They make me laugh. I think they are just, uh, um, you know, filmmakers and the, and the funders still always want to tweak things in a particular way. But my suggestion uh, is that um, people should, uh, when they want to research, the films that I have are available to researchers and to scholars. Mm-hmm as a source, as a primary source that people can use uh, to tell the true story of uh, Mama Winnie uh, Mandela. I mean, I was looking at an episode the other day. I'm not saying I was omnipresent Mm -hmm. around Mama. I was never there all the time. 
Right. But sometimes you need to be able to say, but actually, <laughs> that this? did not happen. Yeah, because we used to talk, and she said she used to say to me, "Rapids, there are people who are doing a film. Have they consulted you? Have they are they speaking?" I said, wow. "No, Mama, but I don't want to be in the front. You know, I don't work, operate in the front always. The time says no, but you have so much." Uh, uh, content of uh, of us and the family, and why are these people not talking to you, and and you showing them the films? Well, you'd know hmm. that I, uh, even at the the funeral of that I was filming for the family, and what I I I did is that in the plane, I tried to record the people who were in the plane uh, as we were coming back from mm-hmm. Kuno, and the guy who's the actor, what's his name? Who acts Mandiba? Andres. Idris. I film him, and he's refusing. I said, "What? Who do you think you are? You, you're you. refusing me to film all right. you. You're not going to stop Yo, me." Yo, Okay, all right, to, to all right. Are you missing? Neda, heaven. I have it on record. I said, "Who are you?" <laughs> so you recorded the fight or I, the disagreement? No, no, I recorded the disagreement. <laughs> I said, why must I ask permission to film you? I'm filming everybody in the plane and nobody has ever stopped me. Can I show you the bullet wound in my in my foot yo, yo, where yo. I got shot? I asked him, I said, can I show you that I was shot uh, for recording the history of this country and you are refusing me inside a plane for, to film you? No, cha, I am cha, filming you. Cha. And I continued. Remonso. On record. Thank you for making time to be with us tonight on Metro FM Talk. You are going to come back because we need a sit down. I feel like listening to stories and stories and more stories. Thank you ever so much for making yourself available for us tonight. We thoroughly, thoroughly welcome this. Thank you very much and thanks to the uh, listeners. And that was Rapiti Monso, president of the Legacy Project in South Africa, also known as Mandela's Lens Man. It is 10 past 8. When we come back on the other side of this, we talk to Lindy Weani.